Hi, I'm Libby Trickett. This is All That Glitters, a podcast where I sit down with the world's best retired athletes and explore the transition from the bright lights of competition to the real world. Today I sit down with former Australian swimmer Luke Trickett. That's my husband. Almost four tenths of a second. Oh, beautiful underwater. He has a little look off to the left-hand side. Great underwater, great stroking. It's a good lead. It's going to be close. He's a winner. It's unbelievable. Um, how do I start this one? Well, I'm interested. What's going to... I've listened to two podcasts. <laughs> He's only listened to two. Yeah. I've done 25 episodes, but that's cool. What's the intro going to be for me? Uh, former Oceana record holder. <laughs> no, but normally there's some like overlay. Yeah. Jason will be... Jason? Jace. <laughs> Who are you? Jason Derulo. Jason Derulo. I've gotten really nervous. Um, something will come up from the archives, I assume. Jace? <laughs> Jace There's isn't looking. There's not much there. <laughs> Jace isn't looking. There's not much there. <laughs> what, about you, what about for <laughs> Stefan? What did you do for Stefan? Oh, it was me being interviewed, talking about Stefan. Oh, okay. Okay. Hi. Thanks for coming on my podcast. That's all right. I live here. <laughs> Like, this is where I live. Um, Where to start? This is such a weird episode because, you know, you're somebody that I obviously know very well. I've known you over half of my life now. I met you when I was 17 in 2002 at the Oceana Championships over in Nimea. And, well, I guess for for people who don't know the Luke Trickett background – What's your background? Where did you come from? Um, that's a very open question. Yes, welcome. I came from my mother. <laughs> you were of Will and Cynthia. Yes, yes. I came from, yeah, so I grew up in New South Wales. You don't Sydney. have to be so literal. You, okay. like, <laughs> yeah. like, honestly, you ask a question. It's a very open question. I mean, like, like give me, give me, give me kind of guardrails. How did you get started in swimming? Okay, which is how we met. Okay, uh, just through school, competing at the school swimming carnivals. Um, yeah, you get to go to district, or you might win a couple of ribbons at your school carnival, and then you get to go to district, and then you might do okay there, and you get to go to regional, and then you get to go to states, and it's all a bit exciting as you progress through the different levels. Um, and yeah, I just really loved that and enjoyed enjoyed the sport and enjoyed the drive of and, and excitement of competition. And I guess, yeah, just slowly built on itself, joined a swimming club when I was about 10, 11, something like that. Yeah, and then it kind of just kept building, you know, you train a bit harder, you go a bit further in the sport and then you want to train a bit harder, you want to go a bit further in the sport. And what was the goal for you? Like, was it always potentially going to an Olympic Games or was it just the love of it? Or Like, what, what was it that kind of really drew you to it? Because you obviously mentioned that you liked the idea of winning medals and ribbons. Was that... Was that the driver? Oh, I just, I love the sport. I absolutely just love swimming. But yeah, I, I really enjoy winning too. And the goal was to go to the <laughs> Olympic Games and win a gold medal mm. for Australia and, you know, ideally break a world record. <laughs> just, you know, modest dreams. Yeah. 
<laughs> modest goals and ambitions. Yeah, Got to put them somewhere, right? <laughs> and so you progressed, obviously, through that age national level. You kind of developed physically a little bit later than probably most okay. guys. <laughs> no offence. Okay. I always joke that you hit puberty at 19 after I'd met you at Oceana. <laughs> That's fine. I'm, I'm a late, late developer. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so there could be a lot of edits in this. There's a, could be a lot. Could be a lot that's left on the um on the the what is it the floor of the, the, the cutting room floor. Cutting room floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is fun. Um. Yeah. No. So. You obviously progressed through age levels. You went to Oceana mm. and you were really successful there. You know, you broke a few Oceana records. You were the swimmer of the meet um, at that competition. What was the progress plan? Like what was it from there? It was to make an open team? Yeah, definitely. Yep. yep. So that was what, 2002? We were two years out from Athens. So, yeah, the goal was 100% to make Athens. Mm. And so when we got together, which was the start of 2003, you were slightly ahead of performance, I guess, at that point in swimming. And from that point, you know, over the next 18 months, my swimming career kind of really accelerated. You know, within 18 months, I'd made two Australian teams and ended up breaking a world record in the in the 100 freestyle at the Olympic trials and yours didn't progress as you were hoping at that stage. Yep. How did that feel? Yeah, it was challenging. I think there was yeah, there's there's a lot that was going on now in hindsight, you know, that you say obviously it's this purely individual really very blinkered, self-centered, selfish pursuit of your own goals that you're in and, and that you live by mm. when you're swimming. Um, and and then obviously having uh, a relationship with you brings an, another dimension to it. So you, I guess not so blinkered already. And then, yeah, at the same time, we're both doing things that we, we love and, and it's really a very similar thing, which is at that point trying to go to our first Olympics. And so, yeah, I guess there's there's like a, a, a whole new area that was a set of variables really that, that you kind of, I had to navigate with. So it's not just like my swimming, it's like my swimming relative to your swimming. Mm. And we both made our first junior team at the same time it was like okay well can we both make our first senior team at the same time which was 2003 worlds Mm. and obviously you made the worlds and i didn't and i think that was like the first challenge and yeah i don't think i probably appreciated at the time i just kept trying to you know keep pushing forward but like fundamentally my whole world had changed and i hadn't recognized that my world had changed because i now had someone else that was you know very near and dear to me and I didn't really understand how to how to navigate that Mm. at the same time as being you know still having the mentality of being blinkered and 100% driven on your own goals but you also had this whole new dimension like I don't know what to do with that 
And also I feel because we're both at a similar, what we met at the similar level and we're doing the same thing, it's like, in a way, it's like almost competitive with you. Mm. So it's like, but then it wasn't competitive. It's like, well, can I just try to please keep up? And can I make the same team? Well, I didn't make the same. I didn't make the senior team at the same time, but can we make our first Olympic team at the same time? So then it's like another layer of like weight and expectation. Mm. It's not just like you're swimming. It's not just like you're swimming because you love it and you just want to make the team and swim as fast as you can. It's like, yeah, you want to do all of that. And you also want to keep up with your partner who previously just made her first senior team. And now we're at the Olympic trials and, you know, she's going to hopefully make her first Olympic team. And can I make a big step up and make my you know, first Olympic team mm. too, first senior team and Olympic team. So, you know, it was, it was a lot. Um, and I don't think I appreciated the time and I don't think I probably navigated all of those, I guess, things that were happening um, very effectively to the detriment of my swimming. Why, why do you think that was? Why do I think I didn't navigate them? Very well. I didn't recognize them. Mm. And, yeah, and I, I obviously loved you and didn't want to have you not do everything that you wanted to do. Mm. But at the same time, you know, it was also difficult to see, you know, yeah, you know, it was difficult to see you just like, doing things seemingly so effortlessly that, you know, just couldn't just, yeah, kind of get there. Mm. Yeah, because I think I just, there was just, it just became really complex. Mm. And it just wasn't simple anymore. You know, that's the great thing about swimming. is It's just like, well, you train, 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 train hard, hard, as hard as you can. And ultimately, come race day, it's just the most, it should be and hopefully is the most simple day of your life. Mm. It's like, well, there's nothing more to think about. There's nothing more to do. All there is is to enjoy all of the hard work that you've done. Mm. And it wasn't like that. It wasn't simple like that anymore. Yeah, because I think there would be a lot of um, athletes listening, former athletes and current athletes who (laughs) – like you were easily, and I've said this a thousand times, but you were easily the hardest trainer I've ever seen. And I credit you with taking my training to another level that I didn't know existed because I was very well known as a bludger. <laughs> Rock lobster, I believe. My, it was, yeah, it was the, my nickname. Yeah. <laughs> I used to love to sit on the wall. And like to see the way that you were able to push yourself, not just one day, not just one session, but every single session consistently. And there are, would be athletes out there who do that but aren't able to take that next step um, at competition. What did that feel like when, you know, you were kind of moving through each year and each year you weren't quite reaching where you wanted to go? Oh, it was like I was just hitting my head against the wall. And not really knowing why. And again, like I probably haven't really stopped to think about it since now because I haven't really, um, you know, no, you you haven't know just me, haven't asked me these questions. <laughs> yeah, I've okay. just waited to record Normally it. Normally it's like, <laughs> what are we having for dinner? Oh, okay. As <laughs> if you I was like, okay, okay, I'll make it now. I'll make it now. If you cooked dinner, that's hilarious. <laughs> okay, that was a bit rich. That was the wrong example. <laughs> when are you going to mow those lawns? <laughs> that's okay, more okay. appropriate. <laughs> Never cook. I know, I don't. 
<laughs> Sorry, go on. Um, well, yeah, like it was, it was, it was t- like I just, I, it was really, really. There's a lot, like you know, it's like a high intense, like it's an intense moment, like mm. swimming generally. Um, it was just always you got to bring a lot of energy and intensity to training, and then racing is is similar in a different way. And so you kind of always just, and you've got these goals and you need to keep constantly keep driving towards these goals. Mm. And then, you know, there was this, all this com- complexity um, that was kind of now I was navigating with and it was, yeah, it was just in, I, I guess I just didn't take the time to stop and just think what was happening because yeah, it was like you've got you again. You've got your own goals, and and when it comes to race day, you, you're trying, you're driving, and trying to you know realize all of the hard work that you've done. And it should be simple. It should be really enjoyable. And then there's yourself involved in the picture, and you're doing really well. And in one sense, it's like, wow, like you know, I'm really proud, and like, how amazing is this? And and at the same time, too, you. Also, like, oh my, like, it's kind of really hurts. Mm. It's, um, how, how could you do this? You know, <laughs> how could you do this to me? Um, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. It's so. It's like these, these huge, I guess, dimensions of complexity to navigate. Mm. Not. It was just, again, my world was just so simple. And I, I find it interesting because as well, <laughs> obviously knowing our story, um, like I am a wild ride in terms of my emotions at times and especially when I was competing, um, you know, particularly probably, well, <laughs> I was going to say particularly 2007 and 2008, but really 2005, 2004 and 2003 <laughs> were... <laughs> quite wild um so it must have been particularly challenging because you have these goals you had these things that you wanted to achieve and seemingly you know maybe in your mind it was getting further and further away because you wanted to be at x time you wanted to be at x place Mm. by x amount of time because that's the way that you think Mm. And then you didn't hit that. So it's like you have to push further and you didn't hit that. And then you have to push further while also trying to manage me and my emotions to try and help me achieve what I wanted to achieve. Mm. Like I can't imagine how challenging that would have been for you. No, it was. It was not that bad, to be honest. No, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. No, it's fine. Um <laughs> You know, like you're being nice. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm not normally nice. No, you're lovely. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> no, like, yeah, sure, you've got emotions, but I guess that was not something that really affected me. Like, you know, really? I, yeah, recognize that there's a lot that you're experiencing, but like. No, I don't think your emotions are like wild or no. Unhinged. I cried. I cried a bit. Yeah, of course. Maybe it's because you missed the Olympic final by nine one hundredths of a second, or you know, maybe it's because 
you couldn't breathe while you were doing your lactate removal set. Or like, yeah. you know, like, I don't, it's not like um, you, I don't know, dropped your cupcake and then you just cried. Like, <laughs> like our children. Yeah, like, exactly right. <laughs> What's going on there? Um, no, I, th- I think, like, every time that you you experienced some significant moments, I think it's natural that, that you probably feel that internally and, and but, it comes but, out in some way, shape or form. But did that impact on you when you were also trying to manage yourself? No, 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 no. It, that no, wasn't an issue? No, no. No, it was like now having, like, you know, talking to you now, it's it's really like this idea of, as, as you said, like, you know, I could train. I, I, I love training, but ultimately I love racing the most. Mm. That's why you train, right? And I, you could never – I could not train really hard if you didn't want to then just go and use that hard work in the race pool. But what became intense, like training, like every, it's all level. It's all level. We're at the same pool at the same time. We're doing the same sets. Mm. Um, have a laugh, whatever. But then you come to the the race race day, race competition pool, and it's different. Well, and and this was obviously the issue is that it was different. It was like all of a sudden you were Olympic gold medalist or world record holder, or you know you made your first team, and you were at that level, and I was at a different level. And then yeah, like as you said, like you're trying to trying to get to a, a point, making the first team for myself. Um, and it adds that extra degree mm. of pressure and complexity, you know, and then you doing really well, being happy, but also being really challenged by that too. And it all occurring on race day or race week mm. and not, taking a step back and just going, well, hang on, like, what's going on here? Um, maybe I just need to think about how I'm, you know, prioritizing things and processing processing events. Mm. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't about, like, kind of managing your emotions or anything like that. It was really about, I guess, how I saw myself relative to you mm. and that was – I was always – handicapped so to speak like I was always starting from whenever we walked out on pool deck for competition mm-hmm. days it was just I always saw myself like way behind you mm. and and then that extended to everything and it wasn't simple anymore it wasn't like training you just go and try your hardest it was like well hang on like I've got this other huge weight to somehow navigate, not even navigate, it's like I've got to get rid of it by getting on the team. Mm. Did you feel like that was kind of the only way you'd get rid of that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that was, you know, the, I guess, the, the key thing. You can't you can't win the gold medal at the Olympics until you've made the team. Mm. You can't win the gold medal at World Champs until you've made the team, right? Um, but do you feel like, though, that, me making the team was the pressure or were you putting the pressure on yourself to make the team? No, it was hundred percent putting it on myself as I no doubt you would know better yeah. than anyone else. Like you set your own goals and those goals are typically informed by 
you know, what you've done in the past and, and um, maybe what other people think of you, but you're the one that put, put them on yourself. Mm. So so when, when you got to 2008, you didn't make Beijing Olympic team. You'd gone through your career and you'd made incremental improvements. You'd made some B Australian teams. What was the point where you go, I need to retire and move on, see, see what's out there for me? I just, I, I knew my body was not as young as it was. And oh, you were so old. <laughs> <laughs> what were you? <laughs> like uh, 24? Uh, 25. <laughs> um, Washed up. <laughs> yeah, well, I had a, a partial tear in my labrum. Mm. I think that's the right body part. Um, <laughs> shoulder. Yeah, shoulder. <laughs> Um, which was painful. It was mm. aching every single time I swam. And I don't know, I just, it's sad, but I just felt like the momentum in my swimming was gone. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see it getting back to the point that was required or where it needed to be and all of those things to achieve your the goal that you set years mm. and years and years ago. Yeah, I I don't know. It's like life came along and in the shape of you and it kind of introduced different things in my world and it was tough for those years, 2003 through to 2008 Mm. as I tried to navigate what it was to be I guess your partner and also trying to do the things that you were doing that sounds really depressing (laughs) (laughs) it was not depressing but it was challenging yeah Yeah, so it was but like during while you were swimming you also were studying you were also doing university, you were doing um, other things uh, along those lines. What made you kind of go study economics and finance and all those things? What what sort of attracted you to that element of your personality? Um, uh, I, I just, I, like, I really enjoyed, well, you know, I was going to say I really enjoy the um you know the studying the learning but i don't think i did i did i start to i started to learn to enjoy that at the end of my schooling mm. uh, for a very brief period right when i had to sit my year 12 exam and then <laughs> so I, good timing yeah yeah yeah. i think they just call that cramming right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's called procrastination yeah, yeah. and then cramming yeah, yeah. um and then ag- again for my university i didn't care for the first three and a half years, two and a half years. Um, and then the last six, oh, I should probably you know, study for this. Um, <laughs> Give it a bit of effort. <laughs> no, 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 but I did. I always, um, I enjoyed I enjoyed learning at school. So, yeah, I, I, I was really um, interested in um, wanting to pursue like a degree at university. Um, so that was just, I always just saw that. So saw myself doing that. And yeah, like economics specifically, I don't know. I, I just 
I've I've always found money very interesting. I need to give context to this because you're not a wanker. Obviously, I wouldn't be with you if you were. Just saying, um, but you are someone who literally is interested in physical cash monies. Like you are a child who went looking in his backyard for coins. You had a coin collection, so you were literally fascinated by actual money. Yeah, yeah. I would literally pull out a um, one of those hand um, shovel, shovel, yeah, thingies, whatever. Pe- Pooper scooper. No, no, no. Like you know, you do the weeding with, and I would just go around and start digging holes in the backyard, which I'm sure some, your parents were thrilled with. Yeah, for some reason, like I'm now looking back, I'm like, how did I find any money? But yeah, I, f- I found like half a dozen old pennies just. In the ground, uh, which is real. Anyway, like that was just one very. Um, and you put them in your beautiful little yeah, so folder. Now, now I still have them. Yeah, you yeah, still yeah, have them. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, like it, it's just always been really interesting. Like I like the idea of working and then earning money. I loved getting, you know, earning your pocket money, making your bed, washing the car, mowing the lawns, and you get five bucks at the end of the week. Working at Coles and earning money to. <laughs> Buy a video camera. Yeah, working at Coles. <laughs> that was fun in the dairy aisle. Um, I was the most productive. Um, <laughs> it's your claim to fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I resigned. When I resigned, they asked me to reconsider <laughs> because no, really? one had, <laughs> no one had stacked the milk as fast as I could keep up with demand on a Sunday morning. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they wouldn't was, have wanted you to go. No, they did. They literally asked me to stay, and that would have been. In, How old were you? Um, maybe ninety-five. So seventeen, or maybe it was ninety-six. So maybe I was thirteen or fourteen. Oh wow! <laughs> no, yeah, thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, yeah. you were the most productive. <laughs> I don't know where, where, what that says about Coles and the people that they had employed to that point. <laughs> Well, that's true because <laughs> my supervisor, I went in one Sunday morning and I saw him being escorted out in handcuffs with two policemen on oh, the Oh, good. Side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why. Yeah, it turned out he was he was um, defrauding Coles of some money, so. Oh, not yeah, ideal. Yeah. So you're not interested in money in that capacity. No, that was, that was eye-opening on an early Sunday morning as a yeah. 13-year-old. What's going on here? Anyway. I just got. I just went straight into the cool room and picked out a crate of milk and. I'm like, I'm ready, guys. It up. Yeah, <laughs> and I got an extra. I think four cents an hour for working in a cold environment. Yes. Cold pay. Yeah. Cold pay. Yeah, yeah not cold play. Cold pay. <laughs> but I'm yeah, Thank you. Dad of three. <laughs> You're like I'm here all week. I live here. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So you had this interest. Yeah. You. Wanted to learn more about it, obviously. Yes. Did you have an idea of where you wanted to go with it? Because obviously at the same time you are swimming, yes. trying to, you know, make an Olympic team and do that stuff. Yeah. Did you have an idea where you wanted to go with your studies or did you just do it kind of as a box ticking exercise to be doing something else other than swimming? Uh, no, no, well, definitely wasn't box ticking. I, I, like I said, I really, in, I really wanted to, you know, completed university degree I just um wasn't even a question and I just really enjoyed learning about the financial system I remember like my brother Ben he studied um commerce at UNSW 
think you majored, majored in finance and accounting and I would have been in year 11 at school. And I, he came home and he was talking about like what he was learning about the stock market. I was like, oh, yeah, wow. I've, that's really interesting. That was kind of um, the first time I'd, I really kind of thought about that specific area of finance mm. and I just felt like, oh, I think that's an area that I'm interested in specifically because, you know, um, finance is very broad. Yes, it um, is. It applies to most things in the economy. Most so, people ask me if you're a financial planner and I'm like, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't interested in advising people. I was just interested in managing money mm. or investing the money on behalf of people. So – well, I mean, I didn't know that at the time. So, but I was just, yeah, I was listening to things Ben was talking about. And so I was like, okay, it just kind of, I think, slightly narrowed the area area of focus. Yeah, that I was interested in. And But nonetheless, I, it's not like oh, I'm going to do something in the stock market. Mm. Piqued your interest. It piqued my interest. Went through... Um, university, I did a Bachelor of Economics, majoring in finance and economics, and that was fun. Um, I really enjoyed maths and physics and chemistry at school, and it felt like a, a kind of extension of that, really, mm. um, in a way. And, yeah, it was just – but, you know, I finished uni – and I didn't really know what I was doing. I just all I knew was the same thing as I knew years ago, which was I'm interested in money and stocks are interesting as well as a specific area of um, kind of money and finance. Um, but you know, I'd, I'd spent three or I think it was four years because I took a bit longer at the end because I was swimming mm. um, to finish my degree, and I didn't really have much. I'd, I felt like I was ill-equipped to invest money, even though I was starting to do it for For us. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) With Um, our own money. Yeah. And I think it was was an interesting time. Like when that would have been 2007 now, when I was finishing my uni, I think I took a year off or maybe six months off uni. I think it was six months off to focus on swimming. Mm. And now like it should have been the other way around. Yeah. I should have taken six months off swimming. To focus on your uni. Well, not even like focus. Well, yeah, sure, focus on uni, but just not swimming. Mm. Um, But I I guess I just didn't see that at the time. Because you just felt like you were grinding it out with swimming at the time. Well, because I had these goals and I saw you achieving your goals and I was like, I want to catch up, I want to catch up. Mm. And, you know, so I was like, okay, well, I'll train harder. Yeah. Instead of like, I'll take time off. It's like, no, no, I'll train harder. I'll take it up another level. That's the mentality most of the time for people is like, let's just grind it out. Got to grind harder, yeah. work harder, do more. Yeah. That's the answer. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the time, and that's certainly your mentality still to this day. Well, no, I think <laughs> I've learned something. I think I have learned. You do. You have grown somewhat. You do take some holidays nowadays, but yeah, it, that doesn't come naturally to you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, is that a diagnosis? Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, so it was, you know, what? Let's let's keep it back to the question. Um, he hates it when I digress. So, two thousand seven, I was finishing up my uni. It was also toward the end of my swimming, and like through those years that were fairly tough, mm. 
and I just started. I just got it. Well, we just got married and just in April, and then I started stockbroking mm. in in May because I'd been investing a little bit of our money, but didn't really know what I was doing. What am I actually doing? Like, I, yeah, I've got a university degree, but. I still don't know what I'm doing. Like, I look at the stuff in my house. So like, I'm going to go and employ other people's no money. I've got no <laughs> idea. Like no, no, no. Idea. No, it was just, no, it was, well, I'll be a stockbroker, right? Because they know what they're doing, uh, right? Yeah, they're the professionals. They know what's up. Yeah, they know what's up. So I'll go work with them and then I'll know what to do within, like, money and how mm. to invest it in stock specifically. And how did you enjoy that experience? Oh, look, it was different to what I expected. Um, Stockbrokers are colourful, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I was, you know. You fit right in, didn't you? Still eating the same sandwiches, you know, when I went to school. So it was was a bit like they were great guys, Um, some really, really lovely people in there and, and enjoyable and, but... It was it was definitely different um, to what I was expecting, and I guess realized that they didn't really know what they were doing either. Seems ideal. Yeah. So it was just yeah. But having said that, in that in that job, you basically came across a mentor. Yes. Who kind of gave you a book, which led you down a path that you may not have gotten to until much later. Yeah, yeah. So just to bring a couple of things back. So it was, I think, like being able to stockbroke was, I felt like I was starting to apply what I was learning or what I had learned, some aspects of what I had learned in uni. <coughs> what I realized is probably what you learn in the first year of uni is all you need. Yeah. And then it's <laughs> like go out and just get the practical knowledge. Although, you know, um, Third year econometrics was fun. I just don't <laughs> use that at all. <laughs> Third year econometrics. How are we married? <laughs> absolute blast. Was it? Yeah. 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 This wish you could have an econometrics party. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe that's what we could do for your fortieth. Yeah. Cool. Um, so. <laughs> No, no, did the donut cake. Oh, donut that's cake, obviously, yeah. yeah. That's all I need. Yeah, but it was – I was starting to to see that, mm-hmm. which was cool with the stockbroking, and then at the same time as swimming and, you know, it was kind of the end of my swimming. You're saying, okay, why did you kind of feel like you stopped swimming? And it was, it was those two things, really. It was the momentum, feeling like the momentum had passed, yeah. which was like set. But did you feel like it was coming in – in a, to in your work, different, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then I think that's what enabled me to to make that decision fairly seamlessly. And that's what I find fascinating because a lot of athletes really struggle with the transition into life after sport for lots of different reasons, as you've seen with me over the last eight years. Yeah, and I just, I really feel like. A lot of that is to do with whether or not an athlete has been able to capture an interest outside of their sport, you know, because so often it's like, oh, I'll go into commentating or I'll get a media role or I'll do X, Y, Z, which I've done all of those things, which didn't quite fit. But 
you were able to find that passion, even though it was just like a, a seed at the time, but slowly you started watering it and then it started to blossom and then you were able to transition much more smoothly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and probably, you know, talking is help clarify that, recognize the momentum that had and was already building mm. for my investing and really kind of taking, p- picking up that. Because people may not know what you have been up to in the last 13 years. So can you explain to people what happened when we moved to Sydney for my swimming yep. and the decisions you made around starting your own company in a GFC? So... Because you tried to transfer your stockbroking job when we moved to Sydney. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You tried to transfer and they basically told you that you weren't a cultural fit. Yeah. For the group because <laughs> pretty much straight up. Yeah. They were like, yeah. no, we don't want you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, so... Yeah, so just for some context, so I was I was started breaking in '07, and then the GFC hit at well, it's starting to rumble. Some you started breaking in 2007, not 1997. What, did I say 97? Yeah. Did I say 97? <laughs> Chase doesn't know. Okay. You said 97. Okay. I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to understand. You like ask these really like normally like the questions you ask are like are you going to mow the lawns? I'm like okay, sweet. But like you ask, I'm grilling you, babe. This is a podcast. Really hot in here. (laughs) I told you to keep the aircon on. This is just going to end. You like stop talking to me. Yeah, so many questions. And they're all just so open. Oh, sorry. Just ask me. You're like, oh, my God. Poor Jace is like, I'm like, are we going to wrap this up this side of 20? Jace, is this interesting? I don't know. Is it interesting? You like it? Okay. Learning some stuff. Um, So I started breaking. Don't get stressed. No, no, I'm not stressed. Don't worry. I started breaking in 07 and... It was really cool because I could start to see, you know, the application of things I was learning and just my general interest in investing and investing in stocks specifically. But I I realized that, yeah, the brokers, well, they didn't really know what they were doing either. Mm. Um, By CBA, sell Westpac. It's like, okay. And I was very fortunate. Um, even though I was there as a broker, and so a broker is required to, you know, pick up the phone, generate some transactions, earn the commission. Because that's how stockbrokers earn their yeah, money, yeah, yeah, by they, transactions. Yeah, exactly right. So they get someone to buy something or sell something. They clip take, a ticket. Yeah, they take a little clip of it, um, which, you know, is something, but it wasn't really that interesting to me. It wasn't like, oh, I just want to clip a ticket. It's like, no, I want to perform. Mm. Like you don't really generate uh, wealth for yourself by clipping a ticket. You generate wealth by creating wealth. Mm. Um, it's very different. Yeah. Right? Instead of it being transactional, it's actually like investing. So I was fortunate while I was broking, the senior analyst um, 
was he used to walk around the the broken floor like a like an old an old cat and uh, <laughs> kind of see what the brokers are doing. And one day he dropped a book on my desk, Lessons for Corporate America, the essays of Warren Buffett. And I like re- opened it up. I was like, oh, what's this? Old dude dropping a book on my desk. Yeah. And um, I read the first like sentence. And I was like, whoa, this guy, which is Warren Buffett, he's like, this guy. I was like, he knows what he's talking about. So the first time. For people who don't know who Warren Buffett is, can you give some context to who, who he is? I'd probably say he's the most successful investor in history. Yeah. Basically and has US. previously been the wealthiest man in the world. Yeah. Yeah. But just really a, a, a guy that has a huge amount of integrity, huge amount of common sense, um, very normal outlook to. Um, you know, his own life and And more like a long term. Oh yeah, and, and his investing is common sense as well. Right. So we can get to that. But um but I read this like first sentence of the book and I was like, for the first time since I started university and have been broking and talking to people and reading my own books and coming up with my own investing strategy and doing my own Technical analysis is what I was doing for us back in the day. It was like, finally, someone, I'm reading something from someone that knows what they're talking about. Mm. And and then I just, all of a sudden, I was just focused on um, reading and researching companies. And, and I was fortunate, the senior analyst, um, I was able to spend time with him and just understand him, what he does when he looks at companies, researches them, talks to management and then forms an opinion about those companies and um, and then goes and provides his, his an, an analysis, his mm. research to the brokers and then the brokers take that research and they call up their clients and say, hey, buy this uh, because our analyst thinks it's worth. Too much context. Sorry. <laughs> Too much and, information. And that, that's how it works. No, I know no, it's great. This is this is how. No, but this is. It's but relevant. my listeners may not. No, but well, okay. I'm sorry. It's boring content. So just skip this episode, right? <laughs> but but this skip. is how the finance industry like works. Yeah. As, as I saw it. So, but what was I guess really um, eye opening for me is so this was at the same time the GFC started to to really rattle the markets. This was early 2008. Now. And we were looking at a company and we kind of finished the analysis and he said, okay, well, I, I value this company at X dollars. And I was like, you're crazy. Like the company's worth 2X or 3X. It's like way more than that. He said, okay, well, that very may very well be the case, um, Luke, but I need to frame my research around two things. One of them is where I think this company will be in 12 months' time like its operations, and what I think the market will be prepared to pay in 12 months' time. Mm. I heard those two things. I was like, "Mm, hang on. So what you're saying is you're valuing an asset that has a life in perpetuity, right? There's no end date to a company. A Mm. well-run company will just go on and on and on. But he and the market, not taking a jab at him personally, but this is how the industry works. It's like, Let's look at the company over the next 12 months. Yeah. 
It's much more short time frame. Yeah, and let's also look at this company the next 12 months relative to what the market is thinking and acting. Mm. So I'm like, well, hang on. We're looking at a long-dated asset and we're making a really short-term decision off that long-dated asset and we're making a relative decision off that long-dated asset. So we'll always pay really high valuations in good markets and we're going to pay really low valuations in bad markets because that's just what the market does. Mm. You're like, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. So I'm like, well, if that's the case, I might as well go and do my own thing Mm. because if that's how everyone else is thinking and acting, then there's a huge opportunity here. If you can decouple yourself from that, think independently and act independently, most importantly, from everyone else, then, hey, there might, there might be something there. So that's that was kind of um, the key thing that made me go and leave Broking and, and set up the fund. Um, but you're right, initially we did start to look at that. So is it happening at the same time as this was just after Beijing now, so the end of 08, and you wanted to, to go do a new program in Sydney with Stolly, which was, you know, I was really supportive of. I think we kind of both imagined we would end up in Sydney, partly because you were in finance and that is kind of a hub yeah, of Australia. Yeah, yeah, and being from Sydney as well. As well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so but so this was happening at the same time as you were looking for a for a coach, and I thought, okay, well, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll. In the meantime, <clears throat> as I think about you know setting up the fund, um, just go and work for the same group as I was down in Sydney, <clears throat> and yeah, I had that I had that phone call with the, <laughs> the head of institutional sales in Sydney, and I was like, well, okay, look, let's do a over the phone interview with you. I was like, I just want to. I'm, already employed at your company can't i just broke <laughs> can't I even though, yes there? i recognize i in when did i start may 07 through through to october 08 so just under 18 months i think i executed two orders <laughs> <laughs> how about that two orders you weren't whereas clipping many tickets no, there no, babe. no there was no clipping <laughs> Um, whereas all the brokers around me, they'd be like, oh, if they had a donut day, like a day that they didn't trade, they'd be like hitting their hands. I was like, whoa, I had a day that I How did, did something. How did you keep guys. a job? I know. I was, I was, I was <laughs> very fortunate. It's very fortunate. I have a lot to thank to the guys. Yeah. They, they, they kept were me very on the desk. patient. Yeah. I think they just saw me like, I would like order in these like folders and folders of annual reports so these um businesses i'll be like oh i want to look at this company i'll be like they just get all of these annual reports delivered to the desk and i'd just be there reading them they're like when are you going to trade dude yeah yeah i remember sitting in one i was sitting in one uh, company presentation and i was just making notes like because the company would come in you get the ceo and the cfo they'd come into the office and they'd they'd Present. Present, yeah, their business so that you get all of the brokers familiar with your company and then the brokers be like, yeah, this is a good company, let's go and buy it. You know, and it's like how it all goes around, right? Yeah. It keeps the valuation up, the companies raise money and the brokers earn a fee when they raise the money. It's just literally how the whole the whole, goes around. The whole circus goes, yeah, yeah. Anyway, they were, they were in there, they were talking, these guys, um, CEO and CFO were talking about their business. I was like, oh, man, like really – 
um, making all these notes. Mm. And one of the brokers at the end of it comes over to me and goes, mate, what were you writing? A love note. <laughs> because they'd like never seen anyone like write during these like what, company presents. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, to inform your decision. Exactly right. It's like why I don't want to invest in this company. Like <laughs> 9.9 times out of 10, it's like absolutely no. Yeah, but it's just that's that's literally kind of what it was like back then anyway. Yeah, so those guys basically said, nah. To the, in, oh, so when, doing, yeah, yeah. so when I was doing the interview, sorry, I digress. Then. Yes, you definitely uh, digress. <laughs> when I was doing the interview, the guy was like, so how do you make your decisions? I was like, well, I guess I go and research the company, understand what it does, yada, yada, yada. He's like, oh, well, like, what do you like to drink? I'm like, <laughs> what, what are we talking about? I don't know, like, I have Fruit Cup Crush, like, at the time. Yeah, my you were obsessed cordial. with Cordial. Fruit Cup Crush. Um, Every day. Yeah, yeah. And I, he's like, where do you make your decisions? I'm like, mate, like, I'm, I'm at working my desk. at my desk. And I make my decisions when I'm writing on my pad and I'm thinking about, like, what I want to invest my money in. And he's like, well, you know, we like to go to the pub and we like to workshop our decisions Ugh. at the pub. Like, this is literally what he said. And I was like... What, didn't he say something about going to the footy? Like, yeah, well, that's just another same, same. That's just another um, workplace that they like to, you know, make, make their decisions. decisions. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Well, I'm happy just to sit at the desk and make my decisions at the desk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. My two decisions in 18 months I make at the desk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, needless to say, I came back in and my boss got the, you know, call up from the guy in Sydney to say, hey, Luke's just not the right cultural fit. And I was like, he's 100% right. <laughs> he is <laughs> he's accurate. definitely accurate. Yeah, I am not I going am to fit in there. I completely agree with him. <laughs> and so we, I, I parted ways in a, a very um, amicable, amicable way. So I was very fortunate to work and have that opportunity that I did. You know, it was great too coming in at the end of – a really strong bull market in 2007 mm. when it was like a little bit like um, recent years here, but, um, you know, throw a dart at the board and you'll you'll do well. But then what made, like, we were already in the global financial crisis when we moved to Sydney. Yeah. And then you were like, hey, babe, got a good idea. Let's start an investment fund. Well, it was actually, no, 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 let's go back a step. It was... The, the GFC was happening mm. and, like, everything was just... Getting smashed. Yeah. Yeah. And so we said, okay, let's sell our investment property. Yes. The, the apartment. Yeah. So we sold that because yeah. I was like, we need to invest this money because, like... I was like, is that a good idea? I don't know. Most people say property is the best thing to invest in. Yeah, well, not during a GFC, like, when the stock market is just really collapsing yeah so we yeah you just think of it as a bargain basement sale yeah so we fire sale everything's cheap <laughs> hopefully if you if you i guess know what you're buying otherwise uh, absolutely not it's not cheap it's falling for a reason so yeah we sold that um and then i think it took two days or maybe a day and i'd invested all of those proceeds Good. yeah 
And then and then at the same time, there's a lot that kind of yeah. And then at the same time, we're like, okay, well, let's move to Sydney. And we decided to sell a house mm. as we moved to Sydney. And you were moving coaches, mm. and I was just finishing up working and starting to set up the fund. And we said, okay, well, let's rent. And then we invested all of the proceeds of the house mm. into the stock market too. Yes. And it was all very do you terrifying. remember that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was, my brain. <laughs> that was, I guess, that was, they were the things that was like, okay, well, if this is the way that the stock market is reacting and businesses that are doing X, Y, and Z and have whatever assets on their balance sheet um, are trading at, you know, this price, then what I thought and sensed was an opportunity previously I could see now was a like a huge opportunity. Mm. And that's obviously why we invested how we did during that period of time and what kind of really drove me to say, like, so basically, i got to set up this fund. Yeah, so basically you saw an opportunity and were like, let's go, like you're a dog with a bone. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing that I find really interesting is like, cool like you know me i'm bright and shiny i'm like oh what's this over here try that for a little bit bored oh what's this over here what's that like i've you know joked very much that i've been a commitment phobe for the last eight years because swimming was the thing that i loved that i was passionate about could focus on for really long periods of time and i haven't had that but you are this personality who has been able to like you're like cool opportunity just bite into it but then the grind happens because it's 10 years of literally working by yourself in a shoebox closet like how like i mean i i i live with you and i've lived through this time and i still have no idea how you did it like how do you do that how does how do you get up every single day find new ways like for such a long time it was like i don't even know if this will be viable i don't know if i can legally set up this fund I don't know if I can do it in the structure that I want to do and yet at every point you've been able to kind of find a way and not lose that motivation not to say that it hasn't ebbed and flowed because it definitely has but you've just been able to work it out Mm. like how have you done that by yourself for 10 years what is it in your personality that (laughs) allows for that to happen uh, I'm not sure, but I've been able to do it because of you. And I say that, I always make sure I say that to everyone, is there's absolutely no way that I could have done that if I wasn't supported by you. And you were, you know, incredibly unconditionally supportive to the point where I'm like, I wonder if she really knows. Oh, look, there were a few things that you got me to sign that I'm like, I don't know, maybe he's just taking all of the money. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's siphoning it off into some sort of bank account and he's going to make a runner at some point. <laughs> yeah, no, so I didn't do that. Thankfully. Um, no, but, you know, I was, yeah, like just supported by you, which gave me the space to explore it and progress it. And, yeah, like now... It's interesting, um, now that I think about it, you gave me the space in investing that I didn't have in swimming. And I guess what I, I, I didn't realize <clears throat> at the time, which is 
that swimming was very complex in my mind, mm. unnecessarily so. And then that's obviously what really blocked me from being able to, I think... Achieve what you wanted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was the opposite for investing. Mm. So you gave me space and what I think is very complex um, or is perceived as very complex is actually very simple, really. It should be. If it's not simple, then you're either investing in something that you don't understand or, yeah, you just shouldn't shouldn't probably invest there. So Mm. it's like... It was yeah, like now, kind of reflecting on it, it was it's it's the opposite side of the same coin. Mm. So I had space, and I just, it just felt very simple. But that's what I, I just and I love that because it's so it's been so clear for me for a really long time that everything that you were working on with your swimming didn't quite come to where you wanted it to be, but that has just led so beautifully into your work. And has allowed you to kind of create this really tangible, amazing achievement. Sure, not Olympic champion, not world record holder, but performing at the highest levels in this way. It's really, I know you don't like me swearing, but fucking cool, man. Do you want me to bleep that out? Please. (laughs) 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 It's you. It's just... You, what? You're a funny person. <laughs> um, so, like, how did you? We've we've moved through ten years, worked by yourself, yeah. amazing, incredible. But like, what was the point? Because of course, there's going to be moments in a decade of working by yourself and grinding it out that you go, "Well, this is just pointless." And I know those points. <laughs> have definitely happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, what was that shift where you went, wow, this is actually going to be a thing? Um, I don't I don't think I look at it like quite like that. Do you still not think you're going to be a thing? Yeah. Okay. That's also your personality. Oh, okay. I don't, like, I think, like, oh, like 10 years working by yourself, like, it's just, it wasn't, it, it wasn't as big as what it sounds like. Sure, when you say it in a sentence like that, it's like a big thing, right? Sure. But but during it, it's it's what we were saying before, it's like simple. And it's something that I was really enjoying and I had the space to explore it and I could keep progressing it. And so it was just a matter of like one foot in front of the other, one foot can I set this structure up Mm. in light of the regulations? Oh I can't I found a way. And and now I've got to get some money from people, like, you know, to, to manage it. <laughs> Call up friends and family, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, I got a bit of money. Whoa, you know. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, I had an idea where I was going to put it. And so then it's like, okay, well, I need a new idea and then I need new money. And it was like, oh, I need to keep you know, it was just finding little- ideas and, and finding places to put and finding money and finding places to put that money. And keeping it going. So just little micro steps yeah, forward yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And But knowing that I needed to get to a size to support us. Mm. And I was a long way from that. Yes. Um, <laughs> and yes, it, took me, it took me a lot longer to get there than I thought. I, I'm pretty sure you told me like, oh, babe, it'll be like a year, two years max. Like, 
not long before I'm you know, know earning a salary. <laughs> Ten years later, I don't think I would have committed to a time period. You definitely did. I don't know if I would have done that, but it definitely took longer than than expected. Um, but during it, it was there was nothing different. Like, which is again probably how you would want sport to be. Like when you actually go and train and compete, you don't want it to be like. oh, Oh, it's complex now. Like that's what I had previously. It was, it was just doing more and more the same thing, which was really enjoyable and simple for me mm. um, to to think about. So I don't think, even though it's growing, and now you know I can um, provide an income mm. to family uh, like us, which is fantastic. You know, the thing with investing is doesn't. Ultimate, like, yes, you need to invest and you need to deliver performance, and that's fantastic. And as soon as that year's over, it's completely irrelevant. Yeah. And you You're only as good st- as your last race. You have to start again. And then you have to deliver the same or better or an acceptable return mm. the next year. And if you do that, it's done. And then it doesn't matter what you've done previously. It's what you're going to do this next year. So how, how do you feel like you've navigated going from working by yourself to now employing lots of people? It's starting to be complex. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not your natural, like you're an introvert, like you're mega, mega introvert. Like your happy place is not to talk to anybody and literally be in your notepad writing notes. Yeah. That's, that's your happy place. I had to go, had to go to the, uh, for a walk and sit in the park today. That's good. Just, uh, You're learning. Oh no, I've I've been doing that for yeah. years. But yes, no, thank you for your um, I told you, know, you to do that. Your condescending <laughs> pat on the head. Um, appreciate that. Good boy. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> learning. Can I have a bit now? You can't have dinner over. until we're finished. I'll roll over. <laughs> um, like yeah. So it's it it. Life changes, like it evolves, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and how do you then consistently try and keep it simple? Like yeah. How do you simplify it? Yeah. Um, it's hard-er now, uh, but I think I recognise that need to be – need to keep things simple, and I think recognising when, you know, I'm struggling to – kind of cut through all of the noise or all of the things that are happening and just try to see what needs to be done. Mm. Recognising that as quickly as I can and then taking myself out of the environment, like I was saying, like I just said, like go for a walk in the park or just like sit somewhere in a quiet space, find some um, space to bring that clarity yeah. and simplicity back. Space. Yeah. And simplicity. So not sitting with our three small children. That (laughs) brings a different type of clarity. (laughs) Clarity that you want to go sit under a tree by yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Like that becomes simple. (laughs) Um, I think I have two more questions Um, because obviously this is a podcast about athletes retiring and – transitioning into life after sport and I think it's safe to say that your life after sport has been more successful than your life in sport which for a lot of athletes that would be true 
What advice would you give to athletes who feel like they've underperformed, that they haven't achieved what they wanted to and, you know, are feeling like the energy is drained out of them? Because I, I, I do digress. One second. Let me digress for one second. It was so interesting for me because watching you chat about your swimming career, it was very subdued and then you start to talk about your finance and your investing and your business and you just you light up, which is just such a joy for me to be able to see and observe and I just think really speaks to you living in what you were always meant to do and swimming was a part of that process but it wasn't the thing. What advice would you give to athletes who – maybe haven't achieved what they wanted to in sport and are feeling down about that and moving into life after? Um, firstly, I would just say it's okay. Uh, I always thought when I swam, I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know what I'd do if I wouldn't, if I didn't make the Olympics. Mm. Like it wasn't I, even I th- an option. I, th- I thought it'd be just a, like, uh, like a, an affliction on you. Because that's the only thing I was focused on. Um, so I just, I was like, I couldn't, wouldn't know what I'd do if I didn't make that. And um, I guess what I recognize is that it's okay if you don't achieve your goals. It's good to have goals. Recognize that. You, maybe you're disappointed because you had goals and it's good to, you tell me this all the time. Uh, yeah. It's good to <laughs> set goals and strive for something, but don't let them become dysfunctional and detract. And ultimately, it's maybe somewhat of a cliche, but it's a, a beautiful quote by Steve Jobs when he said, it's not for us to connect the dots forward. You can look back in life and see how the dots have connected to line you up to where you are, but ultimately it's not for us to connect the dots forward. And I think I would just, if I were to you know, talk to anyone in my position or myself, I would say just, it's okay, take some time, give yourself some space, and then move forward. Mm. And you, who knows where you're going to go from there. Mm. But if you can move forward with... You know, hopefully some space and clarity, then you'll probably do something pretty cool. You're very clever. I agree, totally. Very good answer. Final question, and you won't know this because you've only listened to two podcasts of mine. They were great. Thank you. Which ones were they? They were good. Um, Which one did you listen to? Well, it wasn't a full two. It was dickhead. It was <laughs> Hey Jam it. It was the first bit of Animeers. Oh cool. Yeah. First so obviously very engaging first for 10 you. Minutes, yeah. It was good. She is great. Anna good. everyone should go back and listen to Anna. She was number Anna's, one episode. Anna's fantastic. Uh, could really resonate. You know, it's like you listen to athletes and you can just like, oh, you kind of sense that. You yeah. Know, whatever it is. The high performance yeah, mentality. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, Kerry Pothast. Ah. Yeah. But I listened to the whole one of Kerry Pothast. Good job. So it's probably, I'd give myself 1.25, <laughs> like, podcasts. Stars? No, no, no. <laughs> well, yeah. well, depends. Supportive you know. husband. <laughs> no. 
I'm giving you 1.25 stars. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Hurtful, man. Hey, there's a quarter of a star in there. Yeah, something. It's not nothing. No, I've listened to 1.25 podcasts. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, you definitely won't know my common question, <laughs> the question that I like to ask every athlete in my um, conversations. What are you most proud of from your swimming career? Um, it probably, so is just one or can I slip a couple you in You can there? slip a couple in. Okay. Um, I'll allow it. Okay. It'll be learning how to work hard. You've got you to gotta be able to That's work hard. That's what sport's so great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like having it solely, which is the nice thing about swimming. It's like you're going to progress if you've done the work. Not if, you, not if old mate's done the work. Yeah. We're not, it, like, we're not team sport athletes. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that we're still married. <laughs> I don't know how we're still married. Yeah. It's about Marriage is team sport, right? It's a massive team sport. We've it's really had very, to learn together. Very strong individual <laughs> contributors have come together. Egoic. Oh, wow. Ouch. No, you said it. <laughs> it's true. We were both. Okay. We're better now. All right. And um, <laughs> you derail answers. Sorry, go on. Horrible person. Um, <laughs> Don't believe what you read, people. <laughs> She's a dick. Yeah. Real piece of work. Um, <laughs> oh, so, yeah, the, the, the work. Working hard. The working hard, the learning from the pain of not achieving what you want to achieve and realizing it's okay. Mm. So knowing that ultimately at the end of the day you're okay, which is nice. I always thought it was binary mm. if you don't do it then you know it's like what's the point um in life mm. so that was it's nice to learn that that you're okay and it applies to everything right not just sport it's like your kid doesn't you know do something crazy or if you don't achieve everything that you want to always achieve it's it's okay mm. um and then you obviously oh And it's some brownie points. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's okay. No, I appreciate you. Oh, Ted Lasso. Says. Ted Lasso quote. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. It was a bit of a different one. Um, having my hubby in the pod office whatever this place is um my home (laughs) and now he's listening to me doing the outro which is very intimidating yeah I for me it was really interesting obviously to hear his experiences I know it I've been together for more than half of my life but to hear him talk about his journey and you know where he's come from how he felt with his swimming career and how that's contributed to his success outside of the pool. Yeah, it's always, I I find it very motivating and inspiring Uh, and that sounds really wanky talking about your own partner but it's definitely how I feel obviously getting to, to listen to him and his experiences. That's it for the year. Thank you so much for coming on this All That Glitters journey uh, for 2021. It's been really just so 
Ah, such a joy to be able to bring these conversations to to everyone, and I hope everyone, not just retired athletes, have gotten something from these conversations. Uh, I hope everyone has a very safe and happy holiday over the Christmas period, a very happy new year, and I can't wait to come back into your ears in 2022. As always, please like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the things. Um, I'd really appreciate it. And yeah, if you have any ideas over your holidays because you're bored and you're catching up on some of the episodes, make sure you head to at all that glitters pod and let me know some ideas of people that you'd like to hear from in 2022. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, lots of love, and I'll talk to you soon.